Welcome back to the Nomi Podcast. Hi there. I'm Madeline, one of the coaches and co-hosts of the Nomi Podcast. I'm here with Cynthia Garrett, licensed mental health counselor and coach, and one of the wisest and kindest people I know. But maybe I'm biased. She's also my mom. Each episode, we discuss what's going on in the world, themes we're seeing with our clients, and topics that help us discover more about ourselves every day. As coaches and curious people, we believe that living your fullest, most authentic life starts with getting to know yourself. By the end of each episode, we hope you're one step closer to saying, ah, yes, I truly know me. So hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Know Me podcast. I am so excited because today we are, have a very, very special guest, I'm special because I absolutely adore her and also because the nature of her work is fascinating. It is my colleague and friend, Gabrielle Alziari. And rather than my rattling off a whole list of the amazing things that she does, I will let you hear directly from the source. So Gabby, will you tell us a bit about your work? Yes, thank you, Madeline. It is such a pleasure to be here with the both of you today. So my name is Gabriella. I am a tarot reader, which means I communicate with spirit. So your spirit guides, your ancestors, your allies. I am also a Reiki master and a personal development coach. So I work with women through a combination of energy work and behavioral work in order to help them live their soul aligned purpose. And so that what that really means is that we want your external world to mirror what is most true and authentic to you internally. So I use your help from your spirit guides in order to do that. That is so interesting and so in line with kind of what we do here, or I do with counseling and, and Madeline, you've talked about it with your coaching, but it's that whole thing of tying a personal development with a, with your spirit, right? Mind, body, mind, body, soul, or mind, body, spirit, mm -hmm. right? All those connections. So, so how, how do you Gabby, how do you combine those things? Yeah. So I'm lucky because I have the ability to channel so I can actually communicate with your spirit team, meaning that I can tap into your energy field and understand if your spirit guides have any advice for you. So that is obviously quite a unique ability, but really before doing that, I'm always kind of taking a bit of an assessment. So trying to understand as you do in coaching or counseling, like, where are you right now? Maybe what are you struggling with? What challenges are you coming up against? And so really the whole channeling ability just comes in as a nice piece of the puzzle in order mm -hmm. to help us create a little bit of a plan for you. How can understanding about your spiritual team, I love that you use the word team, but understanding yeah. what the messages they're trying to give you and this, this beautiful collage of skills that you bring to the table in coaching and spiritual guidance and being in tune with their spiritual team. How do you find that this cohesive approach helps people to live fully? Yeah. Well, one thing that I've worked with a lot of women on specifically is their confidence. I feel it's very easy in today's world to 
get down on yourself sometimes because our society kind of encourages us to compare ourselves to others, to work for a certain dollar amount, whatever it is. Like we're very focused on the external, not so much on the internal. And so when we work with your spirit team, that's actually like an internal experience by nature because you're connecting with what is deepest in your soul. So when you're getting advice and guidance from your team and spirit, first of all, they're like a team of cheerleaders. Like they are there to support you and really anything that you're going through and all they're doing is helping you adjust a little bit. One of the most common experiences I have when I do readings for people is people say, wow, that's really interesting. Everything that you just said is what I've been feeling internally, but I was just questioning myself. And I was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's because you already knew deep down. We already know our intuition is so strong, but we have a tendency to question, to second guess. And so that's where the combination of the behavioral coaching and the spiritual work comes in really beautifully. So I'm curious, did you go on a similar journey for yourself that helped you, you know, sort of foster this gift, this training, this, you know, your own intuition about what you should be doing now? Yeah, that's a really good question. So one of the reasons that I love focusing on purpose is because of my own journey with that. So I was brought up in, I would say, a fairly corporate family. You know, I thought that I would be the next head of HR one day, which is wonderful in many ways. And I love human resources. It's what I studied. But I always had this like internal friction with, I feel very creative. I feel very spiritual. Like I was very obsessed with reading spiritual books from a young age. And I never could understand how those things really fit together. I often had this experience where I felt when I was showing up to my corporate job, I was like wearing a bit of a mask and I wasn't fully being myself. And it's a hard thing to describe, but I think a lot of people resonate with that feeling of just not quite fully feeling yourself. Like there's something that you're hiding. There's something that you feel you have to shelter, like put behind closed doors. And so that was just like this piece of internal friction So when I started doing my spiritual work and sharing that with a much wider audience on YouTube and elsewhere, it kind of hit off. And that was the first time where I got confirmation. Oh, okay. What is internal to me is actually really interesting to others. And it's something that lights other people up. And that's where I, in my life, like first felt permission to truly be myself like a hundred percent. And so that's when I was able to start combining like the coaching and the spiritual work together And to me, that's the best of both worlds because I have a passion for both, but really I just wanted to be my own authentic self while doing it. And now I can. So I'm so grateful for that. Amazing. This is, I mean, this is so extraordinary to hear. Obviously you and I have spoken about this a bit beyond just this episode, but it's amazing to hear your journey again (laughs) and in a succinct way. I mean, you spoke that you work with a lot of women on confidence and that in your own journey and your own self-discovery process that you found yourself wearing a mask and that this is something a lot of people can relate to. So when people come to you, obviously a spiritual journey is incredibly personal, but do Mm -hmm. you see common threads through the conversations that you're having across your clients, your coaches, your spiritual mentees? Yeah, I think the most common thread that I see is a disbelief in personal power, meaning that I know what I want. I just don't quite believe that I can do it. You know, I think person X over there can do it or I watch, you know, these people doing it, but for some reason, I don't believe I can do it. 
And so when I talk about confidence, what I'm really trying to help people with is first of all, giving themselves permission to believe that they're the ones that actually create their own life, not somebody else, you know? So a lot of people, we look to the external because that's how we're taught when we're children, you know, we're taught, okay, like you can do this, you can get good grades, you can get promoted one day, you can get into this position. We use those as like markers for our life, but very rarely do we actually think about how we're feeling. You know, is it really about the marker? Is it really about what that represents for us? Like we, we want to be tuning into what makes us feel most expansive and what makes us believe in ourselves the most. So uh, the number one thing I work on with people is just starting to help them understand actually you create your circumstances, you create your reality. I love this. I'm going to ask another one, mom, before I let you dive back in, but just because I heard this word that I love, which is to be expansive, to feel expansive. And I love this word for multiple reasons. One is because I think it shows and echoes growth because you're expanding. There's movement in that word. And also that you're taking up space, which I adore, especially in working with women that that desire to help women become expansive feels so powerful. So beyond just the semantics of what you do in your, in your specific coaching, what are some ways that anyone can try to show up in their day as more expansive? Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think you can start really small. I think it starts with checking in with yourself a little bit more regularly. So like I said, it can be really hard if you have a day full of calls, for example, but as much as possible, starting to tune into your intuition. How do I feel in this situation? Is there friction coming up for me? Yes or no. Does this make me feel expansive? Yes or no. And really in order to design your perfect life and start to harness your reality, you want to, you want to be going towards the things that make you feel good that make you feel expansive. I also talk to a lot of people about the edge. So normally everybody has a little bit of an edge, meaning that there are situations where maybe it doesn't feel hundred percent comfortable for you yet, but it feels like growth. It feels like opportunity. And that's something you want to lean into. And the edge is very different from a situation where you feel inherently uncomfortable. You feel unsafe. You're not able to be yourself. And so I think what people can start with is starting to distinguish, like, what is your edge versus what is an environment where you simply just don't feel safe and it's never really going to work for you. So kind of like starting to put yourself in situations to the best of your ability, where you feel you can grow, you feel that you have mentors, guides. I think that's really important. And it, it starts with listening to yourself on a much deeper level and using your own intuition. Hmm. Nice. I love how you said, you know, lean into uncomfortable, right? I find that when I am counseling people, I, we talk about that. We talk about that. There's a reason they're called growing pains, right? I wish they would say growing uncomfortable because growing pains make you feel uncomfortable. And that's where the growth is. So if we're sitting around feeling super comfortable, there's a, I believe a hundred percent chance that we're not growing. What do you think about, cause you did mention getting to know ourselves or being in situations where you either your, your clients or your, or yourself is, is feeling like 
I, I'm in the right space. I know myself. I'm feeling good, right? Here I am sitting behind the HR desk or whatever. And then, I don't know, a few years go by. And mm-hmm. am I learning more about myself? And that's what's making me feel unsettled or uncomfortable? Or is mm-hmm. it that we're going to find a destination and that's going to be our destination that we're going to carry all the way through to the end of our time. I think as you go throughout your journey, there are things that are going to come up regardless. And so as you go throughout your journey, and as you start to understand who you are on a deeper level, it's going to bring up a lot of stuff and it is very uncomfortable and you do have to lean into it. I also think that it's funny. I mean, you'll probably laugh at this. There's no end point, right? Like you get somewhere and it's a milestone and then suddenly it brings up a whole new journey. So like when I started my business, that was a whole new journey for me. And now I'm doing it full time. This is a completely new chapter for me. So now it presents a new set of challenges. So whereas maybe when I was 15, having my own business was my goal. It's not like my life is over now that I have finally done that. In some ways, my life is just beginning. So I think we always are just having to witness ourselves because we're changing constantly and, and it's exciting. It brings up a whole new range of possibilities for us. I like that because it, it says to me, there's endless possibilities so that, you know, maybe when I was six, if I was dreaming that I was going to use my creativity, but I haven't mm-hmm. quite bumped into that to the magnitude that I'd like to bump into it, there's still room for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it makes it more interesting because then we're not really streamlining ourselves too much. Like I think sometimes we can get tunnel vision a little bit Mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, we, we achieve a goal and then suddenly we sit there and we think, well, now what I did it, you know, even with life events, a lot of people that get married and then they're, oh, okay, well now what, (laughs) now what, this is what I wanted my whole life. Right. So I think it, it's very expansive, again, to use that word, because we're always growing, we're always changing. And the more that we lean into that, it kind of becomes like a series of mini lifetimes, as opposed to like one life where you have only one thing to do. Hmm. So I think that's that for me, at least has been a very healing and more fun way to think about life. I find it really fascinating to hear this. And This is a little bit of a screeching left turn, but a word I keep hearing you use aside from our favorite word is intuition. So how can people train their intuition? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. That's one of the most common questions. I think that it starts with creating more space in your life, which can be difficult in today's world. But if you think about it, all of our technology is kind of designed to take you away from your inner self. Like we're having multiple notifications, multiple meetings. It's very hard to check in with yourself on a deep level and even get to access your intuition if you're constantly distracted. So I think the first thing is creating a little bit of space in your life. That could be 10 minutes at night to journal. It could be writing what you're grateful for. Simply starting a basic practice like that already creates space in order for you to tune into yourself on a deeper level. After that, I I do believe that there are certain tools such as meditation, for example, that are designed to quiet the mind and you actually boost your oxygen and your blood flow to the brain. So there's some like chemical things that you can work with as well. But I think on a very simple level, it's constantly checking with yourself, asking yourself on a daily basis, how do I feel right now? 
does this feel expansive to me? Does this feel constrictive? Why? You know, asking yourself these questions and it doesn't really matter what you're doing. You could be walking the dog, you could be talking to a friend, you could be in a meeting, but you're trying to understand your gut feelings more. And once you get there, then there are some mental intuitive building exercises that you can do, such as automatic writing, which I could talk about in much more detail, which really help you to train your intuition. And before you know it, you might start getting some pretty cool abilities. Absolutely. I love this. Actually, I'm going to cheat a little bit because while you're talking about that, you just reminded me of a quote that I picked up. I'm sorry, mom. I'm totally stealing your thunder in the middle of the podcast. She's usually our quote one. That's but it's from, but hopefully I'm forgiven because it's from one of our favorites. It's from Brene Brown and yes. she writes about intuition quite a bit and the misconceptions mm-hmm. around intuition, because it sounds, it, it has connotations of being a bit woo woo intuition. And I love how she phrases it. So she defines intuition like this. Intuition is not a single way of knowing it's the ability to hold space for uncertainty and our willingness to trust the many ways we've developed knowledge and insight, including instinct, experience, faith, and reason. What you were saying, this really resonated in those ways further of how training intuition is just such a crucial skill in life because it really is that inner knowing, right? And that capacity to hold discomfort as we were talking about earlier. So just really fascinating to also hear you say that. And I do also feel like we've totally dangled the carrot in front of our listeners about automatic writing and then been like, oh, we'll talk about it. In time. <laughs> so if you want to speak on that at all. Yeah. yeah. What is automatic writing? Sure. Automatic writing is one of the easiest ways to grow your intuition. At least that's kind of how I got started other than practicing tarot. Really, it's a form of journaling. So you'll ask a question, you'll tune in, meaning that you'll probably take a few moments to meditate, it could be five minutes, 10 minutes, and just allow yourself to see if anything comes up. And automatic writing is when you just write on a piece of paper in flow constantly. You don't try and edit yourself. It's exactly like free writing. And this is one of the best ways to start harnessing your intuition. The first few times you do it, you might look at your piece of paper and think, well, what the heck did I just write? Or you might think there's nothing helpful here, but it's a practice like anything, you get better at it. So the more you do it, the more consistent you are with it, the easier it gets. And this is very woo woo, but I will say it. One of the things that fascinates people is sometimes when they really get into this flow of automatic writing, their handwriting might change a little bit, or they might start writing so fast that they're like, oh, wow, are these even my ideas? And that's where in the spiritual community, people say, oh, you might be getting a download in the same way that some of our best creators and innovators over the course of history got sudden inspirations and birthed those to life. And now those are like some of the coolest things that we have available to us. Neat. Absolutely. It's, it's interesting, you know, so most of my therapy is cognitive behavioral, right? Tying Mm -hmm. the mind and the thoughts and, and our behaviors Mm -hmm. and our emotions together. And one of the things that I have really enjoyed learning about is that the quote unquote, second brain is located in our gut. 
right? You know, and so this whole, you know, sort of let's call it a movement or whatever, or interest level of Mm -hmm. this gut health, right? And Mm -hmm. trusting our gut and whatever is we're, we're wired that way. We're wired that we've got, you know, sort of a backup going on, right? But sometimes Mm -hmm. our head brain gets in the way and we don't allow the connection to that, you know, to that gut, which is when you can fine tune that even when you're doing something as simple or, or as, you know, focusing on your sleep or focusing on what you're putting in your body, as far as nutrition or lack of nutrition, those kinds of things or quieting our, our head brain so that we can tune into the other parts of our body that have intelligence. Totally. Yeah. And that's such an important point because as I said, I think in our society, we have a tendency to focus so much on the brain and, you know, I've been there, like I've studied research, I did organizational behavior. I've been very Mm -hmm. cognitive in my life, but I was never fully in my power and I was never fully expansive until I started to combine the two, the brain Mm -hmm. and the gut. And so I think it's this beautiful like pastiche that happens when you combine your gut feelings, your intuition, and then your mm-hmm. cognition together. Mm-hmm. That's like where the real power yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I'd love to, to sit a little longer in the space of intuition and self-awareness, because one thing that just came up in a class that I took was around identifying where your intuition sits in your body. Mm-hmm. Because when we say like, trust your gut, it's assuming that everyone feels it in their diaphragm or gut area. But so many people said, you know, I feel it in my shoulders first, actually, when my shoulders start to go up is when I realize that something is creeping. And the reality is that our bodies start reacting to what's going on long before our brains ever catch up. And so I hate meditation. I can't sit still. I'm working on it. I am working on it. But one thing that's been really helpful for me in in getting in tune with my body is to just, when I'm feeling emotions, try and sit back and really ask myself, okay, where am I feeling this right now? Where is the sitting for me? And as it goes, where is it going? Where did it come from? Where does it dissipate? What does that feel similar to? And So even though that's probably a a mindful practice, I wouldn't say it's a meditative practice quite. It does help to ground you in the signals that your body sends you, which is all part of the intuitive experience. So as much as we say, trust your gut, it could also be trust your shoulders. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really important point. The body is always an imprint of what we're experiencing. And It's funny in energy work, we talk about how everybody has like an energetic field or like an aura around them. And typically something will come into your energy field and only if you accept it in some way will actually manifest in your body. So first it's energetic, then sometimes it transpires into thought and then it goes into your body. And that's also why from like a therapy or a cognition perspective, it's so important to start thinking about our thoughts. Like what are we telling ourselves and what are we listening to? If we're listening to a lot of negative content or a lot of divisive content or violent content, that is definitely going in somewhere and might manifest later on as pain or stress or anxiety in the body. And so one of the things that we try and do in coaching is we we start to rewire the brain, tell ourselves, you know, I'm abundant, 
And it's not to be fluffy. It's really, it's really because we're trying to understand how we can harness that cognition in order to make you feel more expansive in your body, feel more free, feel more open. And yeah, I think the cognition aspect is a really important part of it. Well, and we're wired right in the, in the base brain to keep out of danger. And so we see fear, we experience fear. And then, like you said, we have a very fast moving world that we're living in. And so we don't have, we don't have the pause. Yeah. Yeah. And we've changed a lot as humans, you know, back in the day when we were hunter gatherers that served Mm -hmm. a certain purpose for Mm -hmm. us to use our ego and to be in fight or flight more because literally our lives were in danger. But things have changed now. But the problem is that we still get those spikes of cortisol. You know, if we get a notification and someone wants us to respond right now, I always tell people like other people's emergencies don't have to be your emergencies. Mm -hmm. And so with everything, like you are training behavior, you're either affirming someone's behavior or you're shifting it. And so if every time they reach out, they need something right then, right there, and you're responding every single moment immediately like that, you're kind of telling them, yeah, sure, it's okay, you can you can do that. I'll always be here for your emergencies. So even as a coach, you know, that's something I have to be mindful of as well. Like, how do I empower the other person to deal with their own emergencies and think about that first before reaching out to me? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, really- and own their power, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't know about you, but I've experienced over, you know, the last couple of years, few years, right, with everything that's going on in the world, you know, this sense of hopelessness, right, is that people are not feeling necessarily as fearful. So I suppose that's a good thing, right? Maybe they're feeling more expansive, uh, but maybe because of the, the feeling of expansiveness and what's filling it is causing them to kind of shift to this sort of hopelessness. Are you, are you experiencing any of that in your work? It's really interesting. I think that it goes back to what we were speaking about earlier, which is it's unknown. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter if we're talking about like the shift to remote work, or maybe it's how it affected you personally, it's the unknown. And the unknown is always kind of scary for people, but it starts as scary. And then I think if you're, if you're able to lean into that just a little bit, that's when you surprise yourself and you become much more resilient than you believed and you start to create from that. For me personally, I am very lucky. I don't really experience hopelessness because I am able to tap into my spiritual self so deeply. And I am just this person where if something's happening to me, I just think, okay, this is happening for a reason. And so I'm always searching for what is the undercurrent? What is the lesson? And it doesn't mean that a lot of stuff doesn't come up. Like for me personally, I've had to work through a lot of pain and a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety over the course of my lifetime, like many of us have. But I think that what's really interesting is I think the uncertainty is a good thing because our external environment is, it's mirroring what a lot of people already were struggling with internally. It's just that they were in such a routine and such a schedule where they didn't really have space to lean into the uncertainty and create something from it. But when you have that space and when you don't know exactly how something will look, I feel like that's when you actually become the most innovative. And humans are much, much more resilient than we give ourselves credit for. So I think that's something to just hang on to. Maybe you don't know exactly what's going to happen or exactly how something will transpire, but you can trust that you will come up with something 
everybody is much, much more resilient. So yeah, again, giving ourselves permission to, to believe, to lean in just a little bit. I really love hearing this message of positivity because it feels so authentic. So I super appreciate you bringing your own experience into it as well. I Mm -hmm. wonder, and this is taking a piece out of what you said you did earlier, which we kind of glazed over because we focused more on the spiritual tarot coaching side of things. But when you talk about leaning into uncertainty and, and energy, and also earlier when you were talking about how ideas come through our energy and then through our minds and then settle in our bodies. Reiki, tell us a little bit about how your practice in Reiki has, I'm, I'm curious in general, just to hear how, how it goes with your clients in this era of fear and uncertainty. And also I'd love to hear a little bit about, and, and I'm sorry for the double question. So sort through it at your own pace about the experience of Reiki. Cause I know you do it virtually. So I'd love to hear about energy that way as well. Completely. Reiki is one of the most powerful modalities I've ever come into contact with. And I feel so grateful to do this work. For those who don't know what Reiki is, we have different chakras, which are energy centers in our body starts at the crown of our head and it goes all the way down to the root. And the idea is that through Reiki, the Reiki master can channel what we call universal life force energy which is just meaning there's an abundance of energy that's available to us. And the Reiki master channels that through your energy centers, which are called your chakras. And we try to align your chakras. That is the goal of Reiki. And what I like to tell people is as we go throughout life, we're very much like a car with a tank of gas. And sometimes we come across weird situations that will deplete our tank, right? And so when we're doing Reiki, we're just trying to fill you up and get you back into alignment. So as a Reiki master dealing with energy, the most fascinating thing is that your body, like I said, it's always an imprint of the energy that you're dealing with. Like I, as an energy worker, I have to do Reiki to myself every single day because I am constantly coming into contact with people who have problems, who have challenges, who have anxieties. And so as I'm working with that energy, I need to be able to cleanse myself so that I don't take that on as my own imprint. And that's a really important thing that a lot of people don't quite understand. They don't quite understand how that, how that works in our reality, but energy is very real. So through the practice of Reiki, basically what I'm doing is I'm tapping into your energy field and I'm able to send energy virtually or in person because energy transcends time and space. And uh, I have, you know, different abilities, which I understand not everybody has, but I can understand, I can see if there's like a dark patch in someone's energy field and I can work on that and bring it back into alignment. And usually when someone's receiving Reiki virtually or in person, they'll experience like tingling or they'll feel it moving through their body. And usually after the session, it's very common for like emotions to come up and that's just your body's way of releasing whatever energy was kind of stored there previously, we've now brought you back to a place of balance. And so you can think of it as like an energetic tune-up or an energetic leveling up to bring you back to center. So as a result, most people feel a lot clearer after Reiki, much, much more balanced. One of the things that, and and what's fascinating for me is all the similarities, right? So I really appreciated you, you know, saying that, 
we just as human beings, maybe not in the line of work that we, the three of us do, but, but in just regular life is to take that moment and, and reground yourself, recenter yourself, rebalance yourself, because throughout our day, we are absorbing external energies and sometimes they don't serve us. Yes. And that's so important, especially with the work I do. A lot of times people are holding energy and they don't understand that the emotions that are coming up for them are honestly not their emotions. We have a way if we're givers, if we're people who want to serve others, we can tend to take things on for other people. And that's energetic and also manifests in the body. And part of the work I do is helping people check in with, well, is this really my anxiety? Does this really belong to me? Or is this that person I was listening to, you know, two weeks ago who was ranting about their problem and I got really invested in it. And without knowing it, I actually merged into their energy, Mm -hmm. you know, and I took that on for myself. So a lot of the things that people struggle with, it sounds crazy, but it's not actually their own emotions. Absolutely. Yeah. We talk a lot about in, in my field, personalization, right? What if you didn't take whatever they're emitting, whether it's words or energies or whatever, as your own. Maybe it really isn't about you. <laughs> maybe yeah, it's totally. really, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's really about them. And how would that make you feel, right? And, and nine mm-hmm. times out of 10, when I tell myself that, you know, I'm like, oh, that makes me feel actually pretty lighter, lighter or, and, yes. and right. And more expansive and right. And mm-hmm. so I, I think I will let them own that. Right. Unless exactly. they tell me otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Really I think great this is messages. Really, really beautiful actually, because I think also it's a matter of trust, right? So as people who want to serve others, I would say all three of us are people who want to serve others. And so we can all relate to this idea of taking things on is if you trust the people, and as you said earlier, that humans are resilient and capable and whole and wonderful, there's a way to be present and supportive and mindful with people, client, friend, partner, and still trust that they have everything they need to handle that energy, that You can empathize and open yourself to feeling with them and sitting in the emotion with them as a support system. And then as a statement of trust, give it back and say, Mm -hmm. you have this. (laughs) So there's the, I don't want to own this. And then there's also, I believe you are capable of owning this. I don't need to hold on to that for you. And sometimes when they do, you can ask, you know, can I hold this for you for a time for, for a moment and then give it back. But it's, I love this idea of taking energy because it also creates this opening for how we give energy as well. And this relationship Mm -hmm. as our bodies being central, but energy flows in and out of it all the time. So thank you both for your perspectives on this. Yeah. Well, it's true what you're saying, because we also want to empower others. You know, if we are always showing up to heal other people's problems, to be their emergency button, we're not really empowering them. You know, there's a difference between listening and holding space 
and doing something for someone else, like to a certain extent, you're really not benefiting them. You might actually be hindering them if you're always solving their problems for them. You're actually capping their growth. And so we can empower ourselves, but we can also think about like, how can we, how can we empower others in our lives too? And so it's just really important to, I think, pick your battles like once in a while, it's fine, you know, to, to help somebody work through something or to provide them with tools that they don't understand how to use themselves quite yet, but to make sure that you allow them to carry it forward. Like you're giving them the tools and then they're going to make it their own. And I think that's when they realize, oh, I feel really empowered. Okay. Now I know how to deal with this situation and they expand. Expand. There we are again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all about expansion. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, when I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about from our perspective, making sure that, you know, we're in the right space as far as, you know, giving, giving the power back, right. Not fixers. Right. But what, have you ever bumped into a client where they want you to fix? You keep trying to hand them back their power and they're like, no, thank you. <laughs> I want you. <laughs> I want you to have it. So, yes, I have. And I think it's always a journey. I think that there's also the reality that some people are just not ready to hear something, you know, sometimes we need to kind of feed it to them in smaller doses. I think typically, you know, what I start by doing is saying, well, well what do you think? You know, trying to turn it around to them and mm. ask them, well, what does that feel like for you? And they'll say, oh, no, 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 I want you to tell me. And I'm like, well, I can't tell you without first checking in with you. Like, I need you to tell me how is it feeling? And usually when people want you to fix something, it's because they have an aversion to trusting their own intuition. They are scared. They're holding on to some fear of what is my gut telling me. Either they don't feel that they have permission to trust. They don't have permission to really be. And so that for me is why I love energy work because through Reiki, we can help to heal that type of thing. We can actually remove that blockage from the energy fields and then we can work on the behavioral as a substitute. Now, you know, with coaching, it's a little bit more cognitive, but it's very much about energy. So even shifting the script a little bit. So, okay, I can feel that this problem is very challenging for you. Let's tune into your body for a moment. Where are you feeling this in your body? Is it is it pressure on your chest? Is it tightness in your stomach? Because all of that is a reflection of this problem or this thing that they, they want an answer for. And so kind of flipping the narrative, getting them to really tune into themselves can be a really good way to handle that and make them, make them tune in with themselves a little bit more easily. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is as always really helpful. <laughs> and, and talking about intuition and all of this, it's, it's exactly what we were talking about earlier, right? So being more in tune with your body. If you want to train your intuition, practicing automatic writing, practicing sitting with your emotions and feeling where they are and feeling where your intuition sits and just making space in your life. Well, thank you so much for this gift of your time and also of your skills and your, and your gifts, a gift of your gifts. We're really appreciative of your helping our listeners understand for anyone who this is completely new to the amazing world of spirituality, wellness, coaching, how it all blends together. I think my mind has been expanded (laughs) even further. (laughs) Do you have any final messages that you want to deliver to our listeners? No, just the classic, take a moment for yourself today. 
I feel like everybody needs to be reminded of that. So however that, however that looks for you, I think it's important. So yeah, love yourself. From love, everything expands. There it is. That's, that's the one. So tell us just before we sign off, Gabby, how people get in touch with you. What do you offer? Just a quick little roundup in case people want to connect with you would be really helpful. Yes, please. Yes, sure. So uh, YouTube is where you can check out my content. My name is Spirituality with Gabriella. I also have Instagram, spirituality underscore Gabriella. And then my website, which is alziari.co, A-L-Z-I-A-R-I dot C-O. And that's where you can find all of my offerings. So I offer tarot. I offer Reiki. This is all in person and remote. I do coaching, both one-on-one and group coaching. We are starting a new coaching cohort in like late September, which is called Ignite Your Purpose. So that's about living your soul aligned purpose, making sure that you show up authentically in the world. It's a small group, only eight. If you're interested, you can reach out to me on my website or on Instagram. And then I also offer medical intuition and animal intuition. So if you want to get in touch with your pets, you want to see what your pets are saying, Or if you want me to tap into your energy body and understand if there's any ailments or blockages and help you see if your spirit team has any advice for you on how to work through that, then that's all available on my website too. Amazing. Wonderful. Well, this has been another amazing conversation and episode. I am so grateful for your time again. Thank you, Gabby, so much for sitting with us. Yes. Thank you both. Until next time, we will hope that you take care of yourselves, that you take a moment for yourself, that you get in tune with yourself, and we'll see you next episode. Be well. That brings us to the end of this episode. We hope our conversation provides some insight and practical ways to navigate and understand you. If you have found our show to be helpful, please pass it along. Madeline and I are hoping you will join us in creating a ripple effect of mental health and well-being. As always, thanks for listening to the Nomi Podcast. This is Cynthia and Madeline asking you to be good to you.